you might have noticed that we've been reading out these little captions at the top of the Psalms as we've been going in our Bible readings together. You know, the bit at the top of our Psalm 56 today that says, to the choir master, etc., etc., etc. Well, yeah, we've been reading those little captions, and there's a couple of reasons why I think we should read those bits when we read the Psalms, rather than just, you know, focusing on the numbered verses of the Psalm itself. The first reason is that those little captions at the top there are, are actually in the Hebrew scriptures that this English Bible is translated from. But that's just a technical aspect, I guess. A, a better reason, I think, is is to read those little captions because, you know, they give us they give us a bit of helpful context to explore the psalm. And so, just, you know, for example, as we do that today, let's not worry too much about the musical stuff at the start of this one in Psalm 56, you know, about the choir master and, and the dove and the miktam. Uh, we've thought about musical stuff, you know, in, in one of our earlier psalms, but today let's instead just pick up that last little bit there, that this is a psalm of David when the Philistines seized him in Gath. That kind of detail there can go a long way to helping us put this psalm into context, you know. To, to understand David's circumstances at the time, help us to understand his song. The Philistines had seized him in Gath, which was a city in Philistia. And the backstory to all that, if you want to dig it up, it's in the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, it, the backstory is that David was only in this city of Gath in Philistia, because he was on the run. He was on the run from King Saul of Israel, who wanted to kill David out of jealousy and absolute hatred. Saul wanted to kill David, and he almost had killed David uh, several times at this point. And so, you know, David was on the run, and he summed up what it kind of felt like to be at that end of this hatred from Saul. In 1 Samuel 20, he said, you know, There is but a step between me and death. David was constantly just one step away from death because King Saul was bent on killing him. And so David had fled Israel because there was nowhere in Israel that he could be safe from Saul's men. And that's how he ended up in Philistia, in the city of Gath, where the Philistines uh, seized him, as our caption says. Here's the thing about that, you know, like for David to flee his home country of Israel to the country of Philistia speaks to how utterly desperate his circumstances really were because David had previously carried out wars against the Philistines, including, of course, you may know the notable occasion on which he had defeated the giant Goliath, the Philistine champion from one Philistine city called Gath. And so we might think that David, you know, probably expected a very cold reception by the Philistines, to put it mildly. <laughs> but where else was he to go? In Israel, he was just one step from death all the time. And maybe he hoped that, you know, in Philistia, maybe it would at least be a couple of steps. And probable death is, is better than certain death, I guess. And so this is David's bleak context as he writes this psalm, Psalm 56. 
he's got nowhere to go. He's got enemies to the right of him all through Israel. And now when he arrives in Gath, he finds out that, well, yes, actually, it turns out after all these years, he still does have enemies to the left of him in Philistia. The Philistines seize him, as our caption explains, and if you read the story in 1 Samuel, they drag him before their king, King Achish, and their accusations struck fear into him. Fear. As the story goes in 1 Samuel 21, David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. David is all alone. He's trapped. Now, he's very afraid and he has nowhere to turn to. But of course he can turn to God and so he does with this little psalm. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. I've often found it a little bit hard to connect to psalms like this, you know, where where the problem is enemies and attackers. They're very strong words, and I don't know, I just feel like they don't really fit my situation living here in Perth in 2021. In a funny kind of way, it's almost as if that context we were just thinking about for David, you know, kind of leaves the psalm a bit foreign for my context. It kind of puts the psalm out of my reach in a way. And yet surely this psalm can't just be written so that, you know, we can lock it away for future reference in case the Philistines ever sees us in Gath. Times have changed and circumstances have changed, of course, but, you know, all of Scripture is God-breathed and it is all good for us to learn from. And so there must be relevance here from this psalm. And in fact, as I I thought about that and reflected on this through the week, I realised, you know, that even though the idea of, of, of enemies and attackers might seem a bit too strong... Nevertheless, there are loads of situations when we can feel just like David here, hard-pressed on every side, afraid, and with nowhere to turn to. Even right at this moment, I figured, (laughs) there are people all around us in this city going through the same kind of thing. I thought of so many examples, but here's just three. I mean, you know, there's people... There's people who right now are caught up in domestic violence, feeling trapped, absolutely trapped, with nowhere to run to. You know, where there was once peace and healthy relationship, there's now just destructive outbursts of of unbridled anger, just like the anger that King Saul had against David. And, you know, there are other people in the city who, who served so faithfully and tirelessly through the front line of the pandemic these past 18 months and who are now suddenly staring down the barrel of losing their whole careers. I mean, they must just feel so betrayed, so oppressed, so trampled on by those in power. There's so many people around us at the moment who are just absolutely groaning and, and, and crumbling under depression 
or anxiety, you know, where the complexities of brain chemistry have, have imposed a, a great black burden, a, a weight that just forces itself over the top of their life. Everything they think and do is just crushing under this weight. And it's every bit as beyond their control as if it were Philistines that had seized them. And we could go on if we had time with so many examples. The point is simple, that David's context here is not actually as foreign as we might at first think. He is simply alone, with nowhere to turn, and he is afraid. He is afraid. And that, of course, happens to the rest of us at different times. The fact is that even though it's probably the last emotion we might ever actually concede, to be afraid is an experience that all of us go through. And so this psalm is a good one, and it's good for us to receive this and hear this, because David kind of shows us here how we can respond at times like that. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? The first thing we can learn from this psalm then is that when we are afraid, feeling helpless, we must put our trust in God. Verse 3, I reckon, that, that really short, crisp little verse 3 that could be the line to remember if you just need, you know, to take one short bit and, and drill yourself with this first great teaching of the psalm. It's so gentle, that verse, and, and so instructive. Almost as if, you know, David has just found a moment of, of calm in the middle of all of his fear. He reminds himself, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. I've got an old Bible at home that's got one of those sections at the back, you know, like what to read, when, and then it lists all these different situations you might find yourself in life and passages in the scriptures you can turn to for help. And I went and dug it up and, and checked it out after reading this psalm and I was disappointed to see that it didn't point to this psalm. And in fact, I was even more disappointed because it didn't even have an entry for what to read when you are afraid. Surely we all go through times of fear. I reckon I might get a pen and, and just write a new entry in there myself in that appendix. You know, what to read when you feel afraid. And I'll jot this one down. Psalm 56. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise. In God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? That's a really interesting line at the end of that little block, actually. What can flesh do to me? I mean, by flesh, David means people. And, well, uh, people can kill him, can't they? I mean, Saul was trying to kill him. And if he caught him, he would kill him. Presumably, the Philistines too now had dragged him before their king, Achish, for something like that same end, to, to kill him. The very thing that David had been afraid of 
it seems, has now lost all its power of fear over him by verse 4. He must be thinking big picture, I reckon. In the eternal scheme of things, David knows that he's safe. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. And then that first lesson repeats, and and, and, I don't know, maybe it's to capture that this is a process of learning, that, you know, to trust like this takes time for us to to learn. Or, Or maybe David wants to give one verse and chorus for the enemies of Israel to his right, and and one for the enemies of Philistia to his left. Or, I don't know, maybe just because it's a song. David gives a second uh, verse here about the enemies. All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. And he's going to repeat his chorus too about how he's responding to, to this fear, but first he gives us a little glimpse of the theology that's going on in his mind and in his heart behind that response. These are these are three very good things for us to reflect on here in the middle of this psalm. First of all, in verse seven, David knows that God is a just God. For their crime will they escape? In wrath cast down the peoples, O God. David knows that ultimately God is a God of justice. And every evil deed will be called to account by God. These people who are oppressing David and trampling on him and acting so wickedly against him, well, they're sinning in the eyes of God too. And for that, they will be held to account. Moreover, though, David knows that God is also a tender God. A God who sees and cares for everything that David's going through. Verse 8 You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Isn't that lovely language? Put my tears in your bottle, God. Don't let one of my tears fall to the ground. I mean, I know it's poetry, but isn't it lovely poetry? Isn't it lovely to just think and visualize that God has a bottle You know, in his glorious throne room, God has a a bottle with a little label on it, David's tears. And I guess another bottle somewhere, Carmel's tears. And one labelled Brian's tears. And I guess another one, the incarnate Jesus' tears. Oh, That's just beautiful poetry. It just draws me straight in. I love it. But, you know, uh, look at what it's saying. Because tomorrow, you know, or or next month or whatever, a few years maybe, I might be back to normal, you know, uh, after going through my fear. I might be recovered eventually from that that fearful context. I mightn't even remember all my tears eventually with enough time and enough healing. But God has put all of my tears in a bottle by this poetic expression. He forgets none of them. They're all recorded in his book. God notices everything we go through, and he cares very deeply about it, perhaps even more than we do. And eventually, verse 9, God will turn things out for our good.
Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. Three nice insights, three powerful insights into David's theology. Right in the middle of this psalm, in verses 7, 8 and 9, God is just, God is tender, God is for us. And then now, that, that calm, instructive little chorus again, so that we lock this teaching away of how to respond in times of fear. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. There's that more specific name there. Lord, or Yahweh, or Jehovah, Adonai, as we were speaking about last week. The, the personal name of God that appears in these Psalms, more than 700 times by my count, just so we know explicitly who it is that we're talking about at, at the other end of all this trust and praise. It's not just the generic worldly idea of, you know, a, a God being or something. It, it's Yahweh. It is this God of scriptures that we put our trust in, in times of fear. In God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Brothers and sisters, here's how to respond in times of fear. Remember that God is a just God. He is a tender God who sees and cares about everything that you're going through. And in the end, he will work things for your good. So when you are afraid... Put your trust in him. There's a second great lesson in this psalm. Because in the last little part there, down at the bottom in verses 12 and 13, we get what, I don't know, it may be a postscript, I guess, showing, showing us David, you know, on the other side of these ordeals. As if, you know, we time jump forward and, and, and now David has been delivered from his enemies and he adds this little bit for our even greater benefit here. Verse 12, I must perform my vows to you, O God. I, I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. David is determined, now that the hard times have passed, to, to make an offering of thanks to God. How often we skip that part. How easily we drop straight back into the routine of life after, after God answers our desperate prayers. You know, we pray to him in the bad times when we've got no one else to turn to, but sometimes then, as soon as we're rescued, we forget about God and just get back to whatever we were doing before all this came along without him. Sometimes without even so much as a thanks. We mustn't call on God only when we're desperate. David teaches us better here about God at the end of the psalm, that, that we should continue to walk in our relationship with God when things are, you know, once again going well for us. We need God all the time. We need to stay close. So if the first part of the psalm, I guess, could be summed up by that nice little verse 3, you know, when I'm afraid... I put my trust in you. I reckon this last little bit of the psalm might well 
you know, be called something like, you know, when I'm feeling safe, when I'm feeling at peace, I will still be faithful. I will thank you. I will continue to walk with you, my God. Think about it this way. Would not the God who so tenderly cared for every tear that we cried in the darkness also want to hear from us just as much in our times of sunshine? We must resist our culture's attitude to God. You know, uh, the deism that's so prominent in our worldly culture. You know, people live as if God is just some kind of generic and distant being and, and he's only half interested in us and he's not really necessary, you know, except for when things are going wrong. No, no, the world has fallen into that kind of error and that, that mistaken idea about God, but you and I must pursue this God, the God of scriptures, this Yahweh, Jehovah, Lord, who, who knows us intimately and cares for us so deeply and, and wants to be our God in all times and in every way. So these last couple of verses here, I want, I want to say thank you for including them, David. Because these two verses won't let us treat God as just a God for the bad times. You know, our last resort in desperation. No, no, this is our God every day. Good, bad or in between. We will thank you, Lord. We will continue to meet with you, our great God. We will walk our lives with you our Lord and God. Although, it may well be, I guess, it, it could be that those last couple of verses are, are not some kind of postscript from, you know, after David's troubles had subsided, that there's no time jump going on here. It may be, I guess, that he's still going through the ordeal, has just found a window into into a different plane of thinking, and it, you know he's found a window into that eternal frame of reference. So, so verse thirteen, therefore, you know, could be referring to the spiritual deliverance that David's been reminded of in all these troubles. You know, the, the earthly sphere is not going well. No, his enemies are still all around him as much as they ever were. But as he comes to remember his spiritual security, then you know he knows he's got an eternity with God to look forward to. And so he can find an attitude of thanksgiving for that spiritual safety and security in the midst of his earthly distress and, and fear. I don't know. It could be that too, couldn't it? I'm going to let you reflect on those two options through the week about those last two verses. But either way, I think the two take-home messages from this psalm are going to be pretty much the same. When you are afraid, put your trust in God. That's verses 1 to 11, isn't it? When you are afraid, put your trust in God. And when you feel at peace, continue to walk with Him. When you feel at peace, continue to walk with Him. Trust, and then stay close. And on those two points, I think we should really finish by, by hearing these same things from the lips of Jesus. 
just to stretch our thinking a little bit more because as it happens, Jesus, I don't know, it's weird, Jesus kind of spoke himself into this psalm. It spoke himself into both parts of that psalm, actually. I mean, on the first point, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in God. Well, Jesus told us in in John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus told us, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And believe by the way, that's the New Testament way of rendering that Old Testament word there in our psalm, trust. So Jesus says in John 14, when you are afraid, put your trust in God. Put your trust in me. And on the second part of the psalm, at, at the end there of you know thanking God, because he saved our souls to walk with him in the light of life. Well, again, Jesus said to us in John chapter 8 and verse 12 this time, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I flag those words from Jesus because it's a hard thing, faith. It's a hard thing for us to learn how to trust and then to stay close to a God whom we have not seen. But Jesus has shown God to us. The eternal Son of God took on human form in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, to show us this this God in all his justness, this God in his tenderness, this God who is purposed for our good, that's captured in this psalm here, (laughs) to show us this salvation that God has secured for us, so that we may know for sure that in the final wash-up, we will forever walk with God in the light of life. Trust him and stay close. And let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this scripture that's open in front of us today in Psalm 56 and for what we learn about you here in this psalm that you are so just and tender and for us. And Father, we pray that you would help us to remember this at all times, that, that we would remember to put our trust in you when we're feeling afraid and overwhelmed. But so too, Father, when we feel secure and, and at peace, help us to live lives of thanksgiving and of fellowship with you, that we would walk with you and talk with you in all times, Lord, and in every way. Thank you, Jesus, that you actually came and showed yourself to us, that you came and showed God to us in the flesh, and that you came to secure this salvation of our souls that we're reading about here in this psalm. Our great 
and tender God, we thank you, we trust you, and we want to stay close to you. In Jesus' name, Amen.